Our summaries this week contain two cases on contracts, both from the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Ashton Place Health and Rehab LLC v. Russell, 2023, ARC App 351, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed an order denying a motion to compel arbitration filed in a wrongful death nursing home case, which was based on a power of attorney because it lacked any specific grant of decision-making authority regarding litigation, legal decisions, or legal claims. Instead, it referenced financial matters. Judge Abramson explained, quote, On appeal, Ashton Place argues that the circuit court erred by finding that the parties did not enter into a valid agreement to arbitrate. It asserts that the language in the 2014 power of attorney granted Russell the broad authority to act on Pelham's behalf, including the power to enter into an arbitration agreement, and it claims that the power of attorney's reference to my attorney in fact, pursuant to ACA 2868-201 at SEC, indicates that Pelham granted Russell all the powers within that subchapter. In this case, similar to Courtyard Gardens Health and Rehabilitation LLC v. Williamson, 2016 ARC App 606, and Malvern Operations LLC v. Moss, 2020 ARC App 355, the 2014 Power of Attorney does not grant Russell the authority to do all acts a principal could do, as contemplated by Arkansas Code Annotated Section 2868-201C, but rather specifically references any stock, bond, or other financial investment, real estate, and medical issues. Further, Ashton Place's argument that the inclusion of my attorney in fact pursuant to ACA 2868201 at SEC indicated that Pelham granted Russell all powers within that subchapter was not raised to the circuit court. Thus, it is not preserved for our review. We therefore conclude that the power of attorney did not grant Russell the authority to bind Pelham to the arbitration agreement, thereby invalidating the agreement. Because Russell did not have the authority to bind Pelham to the arbitration agreement, there is no valid arbitration agreement to enforce. We therefore affirm the circuit court's denial of the motion to compel arbitration. End of quote. The relevant language in this power of attorney was, quote, I, June M. Pelham, as principal, presently residing at 2704 Backbone Road, Greenwood, Arkansas, Sebastian County, and being of sound mind and under no undue influence, hereby designates Letha Joyce Russell, my attorney in fact, pursuant to ACA 2868-201 at SEC, and to act as my attorney or proxy in respect to any stock, bond, or other financial investment, real estate, and medical issues. End of quote. End of decision. In Bettis v. Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., 2023, ARC App 350, the Arkansas Court of Appeals reversed an order that had denied a motion to compel arbitration in a case of a third-party complaint filed against the appellant in a battle over retirement proceeds. Judge Abramson reasoned, quote, On August 17, Evan Connolly Bettis and Megan Marie Bettis, trustees, Victor's two children from a prior marriage, 
filed suit as the trustees of the Victor L. Bettis Living Trust against Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., DBA Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, and Doug Wilson. In their complaint, they allege that during his lifetime, Victor established the Victor L. Bettis Living Trust on March 18, 2020. Pursuant to the terms of the trust, Victor's IRA was to become an asset of the trust. They further allege that they are the successor trustees of the Victor L. Bettis Living Trust, which became irrevocable upon Victor's death. They also allege that a tax-qualified accounts designation was executed that changed the beneficiary of Victor's IRA from Gina to the Victor L. Bettis Living Trust and was forwarded by Victor's estate planning attorney to Doug Wilson, the Ameriprise representative. The trustees allege that Ameriprise negligently failed to timely process the beneficiary change request prior to Victor's death on July 8, 2020. As a result of such negligence, Gina, rather than Victor's trust, remained the beneficiary when Victor died. The trustees assert a claim against Ameriprise and Doug Wilson for their negligence in not timely processing the change of beneficiary form. The trustees do not assert a claim against Gina, nor do they assert any claim to Gina's IRA. On October 29, 2020, Ameriprise filed its third-party complaint and counterclaim for interpleader against Gina. After Victor's death on July 8, the, vic- the proceeds of Victor's IRA were used to fund Gina's IRA. Ameriprise acknowledges that at an undetermined time, it froze or otherwise restricted the funds in Gina's IRA. Ameriprise alleged that Gina's IRA ownership conflicts with the trustee's contention that Ameriprise and its representative were negligent. Even though the trustees assert neither a claim against Gina nor a claim to Gina's IRA, Ameriprise contends that the trustees and Gina have conflicting claims to the funds in Gina's IRA, and Ameriprise should therefore be permitted to interplead Gina's IRA and be absolved from further liability to Gina for her IRA. Gina filed a separate motion to compel arbitration. After reciting some of the procedural history of the controversy, she alleges that in their complaint, the trustees do not claim ownership of Gina's IRA or even mention it. Gina argues, and we agree, that Gina's IRA is a written contract between her and Ameriprise. It is dated July 24, 2020, and it clearly contains the party's agreement to arbitrate. End of quote. An arbitration agreement protected appellant in the context of the third-party claim, reasoned the Court of Appeals. Quote, The circuit court must affirmatively find the existence of a valid agreement to arbitrate between the parties before conducting any further analysis. If the court does find a valid agreement to arbitrate, then the court must consider whether the dispute falls within its scope. Here, the circuit court's order states only that the motion to compel arbitration was denied. The circuit court did not address either of the two threshold questions. Moreover, Ameriprise does not deny that there is an arbitration clause in its contract with Gina. On appeal, it simply contends that the circuit court properly denied the motion to compel arbitration because granting it would force Ameriprise to litigate two sides of a family dispute in two separate forums. We hold that Gina's motion to compel arbitration with Ameriprise should have been granted. 
Therefore, we reverse and remand for entry of an order consistent with this opinion. End of quote. End of decision.